This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of Invest Talk. It is May 30th. May 30th, 2018, and today we have Justin Klein with me. I do have Justin Klein with me. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. This is the first time we've done the show together in a while. Yeah, I don't know how long ago. A couple months. Right? Years, feels not, like. Not years. <laughs> okay, you want to grow and protect your money. We all want to do that, right? Grow and protect our money. That's our mission to help you do that. That's our commitment to you. And our phone lines are always open and ready to take any business questions, any financial questions you might have, 888-99-CHART is the number, 888-992-4278. Now, everybody here at Invest Talk, me and Justin mostly, uh, and everybody at KPP Financial, we're pretty excited about our free educational webinar tonight. Starts at 6.30, 6.30. Justin and I will be explaining the power of fundamental and technical analysis, these so, are things you have to know. If you're going to invest, attempt to invest your own assets, you have to know these things. You have to know fundamental analysis. You've got to know some technical analysis. Yeah, well, you can get away without knowing technical analysis, but it depends on what kind of uh, investor you are. Yeah, and and we actually have record signups. Yeah, well, that's great. So, yeah. you know, you got to get in. It's free. You have to sign up, though, and it's getting tight, getting pretty tight. So... You need to do that by going to investtalk.com and you can sign up. And that's tonight. But let's see if I can make some, uh, Justin and I can make some money for you now by boosting the by boosting your knowledge. We want to boost your knowledge on, on how to sell your house. Justin's a real estate agent. There's some, th- some things you can do that will help you sell your house to get top dollar. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. You know, everybody knows about location, 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 but there's other things you could do too. First, let's get to our calls. Our anytime listener line number is always open. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Here's a call that came in earlier. Hey Steve, Pavan uh, here. Uh, love your show. I have a question about monthly dividend stocks. I was just having a look at if there is any monthly dividend stocks available. What do you think about monthly dividend stocks? Thank you. Well, shoot, I like any dividend stocks, and I like monthly even better. But it's whether you can get consistent monthly dividends from it. You can't. You have to look at it and see how they're paying it, where they're getting that money from. And we're going to go over dividends a little bit tonight on the on our, on our webinar about what you look for, you know, especially the payout ratio. So if they're not, you know, you just don't say, oh, I like that monthly dividend, and then take that, then drop it. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, it just goes down to anything. Uh, you should never, ever, ever, ever invest in anything based on one single factor. Oh, pays a monthly dividend. Okay, that's one factor. But it, like Steve said, is that dividend sustainable? What business are they in? Or do they have a strong balance sheet? Can they afford that dividend? What happens if they go into recession? Or is there a secular <coughs> excuse me, headwind to their business? Yeah, so you never, you never just... As Justin said, take one factor. You want to know the sustainability and the growth as well of that dividend, growth of the dividend. If it's not growing, you know, eventually inflation over the years will eat it up and it means very little. So you yeah, want it yeah. to grow. Too. Do I want my dividend monthly? Sure, but I'd rather have a quarterly dividend that's sustainable than a monthly dividend that isn't. Okay. So anyways, you might be selling and thinking about selling your house. 
right? Ready to move out. Some of us uh, baby boomers want to maybe downsize. Well, there are things you could do to get your, you know, that you do, should do first before you even list it. Uh, and suggestions on how to improve the value. Now, we've all heard about location. We know location is the best and the most important factor. But there are, there are two more words you should learn. It's called curb appeal. Curb appeal. If, it, if someone drives by and looks at it and says, uh, I don't like it, you can't even get them in the door, then you're, you're stopped right there at the curb. Well, and it, on pictures, it's easiest to uh, understand the, the, the look and feel of the house from the outside. Uh, you know, it's usually when you're inside the house, that's when you can uh, really sense what that looks like. But from the outside, whether it's a picture or you standing out front, it's going to look pretty much the same. So curb appeal can be very important, not just people liking the house, but getting them in the door to look at the interior. So what's, what are some of the things you could do to improve your curb appeal? Well, of course, landscaping the front yard, put in a new sod or replace tired old bushes or something. Uh, plants, put flowers out there that have blooms. You know, spruce up the entryway. Maybe buy a new front door or paint the old front door. You know, make it, spruce it up a little bit. Get rid of the old mailbox that's all beat up. Get a new one. You know, new things really help or painted, freshly painted things will help. Maybe changing out the light fixtures outside. You know, because they're old and tired. Yeah, curb appeal is a lot of times the, the best ROI for uh, putting money into into a home to get ready for sale. Because uh, like you said, it's just paint and little fixtures and little things that usually don't cost too much. Yeah, and, and you get those people in the door. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a kitchen, right, where you got to buy a new fridge yeah. and a new appli- all these new appliances yeah. and new expensive. cabinets. They're very expensive. But people buy houses based on kitchens and yep. bathrooms. Yep. So, you know, it may be worth it. You have to check with your realtor or somebody who's an expert in that field. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there are additional tips, but, you know, curb appeal aspect is very, very important. Replace, you know, you can replace uh, dirty, worn-out carpets and do all kinds of things inside to make the house nice. Paint, things that don't cost a lot of money, but may be able to help sell your house. Now, if you have any questions on this, give us a call, 888-99-CHART. Now, our featured talking point today, how to choose your first online brokerage firm. How to do that? They're looking for a broker that offers low fees, a wide variety of investment options, and it depends on you, too. You know, how active are you going to be? Are you going to be an active trader or not an active trader? But there's certain things you must require from your custodian of your money and we'll talk about and and uh you know we're talking about first online brokerage firm but even if you're with one right now uh you should always probably be shopping around at least looking at what the fees are in other at other brokers because the fees are dropping pretty much industry-wide and new technologies are being developed in each of the different platforms so the one might that might have been good for you three or four or five years ago may be not the best one for you now so we'll talk about those uh different factors to look at we're also going to talk about why you are invested less than you should be. And then the job market tightening. You know, the ADP number came out today. ADP uh, is, it comes out with its estimate of private sector jobs produced for the month of April. That number came out today. But why? What, what's the effect of a tightening job market? And we, you know, we talk about all the time, I'm sure Justin does it, and I, I know we all do it all in the office all the time, about U.S. bond yields. Do you know how many bond, U.S. bonds there are, what the layers are, and what they're actually paying in dividend yields? Well, I have some numbers 
and we've talked about the uh, we talked about the um, yield inversion. Okay, will the will the will the will the invert between the two year and ten year? What does that mean? What is, and we'll we'll talk about that too because it's kind of important. Those are things we're going to talk about. The market was up today. I get, I, remember yesterday the Dow was down 392 points. Yeah, yesterday was, it was a worry that Italy was going to leave the EU and uh, the world was coming to an end. And now uh, today... Eh, no one cares no because one cares. the market was up 306 points today. Yeah. The, the Nasdaq was down 37 points yesterday and today it was up 66, almost doubled it. And yesterday the S&P was up, down 31 and today it was up 34. So pretty much two days of nothing, really. Matter of fact, the the, the uh, Nasdaq had a decent couple of days if you put the two days together. So, so much to do about nothing about Italy, and that kind of. I mean, remember yesterday I said that it, you know I don't think we should need to worry about Italy, and obviously we don't not not anytime soon, anyways. This is the best talk on financial advisor Steve Peasley with Justin Klein today. Of course, we'll take your questions about fundamental and technical analysis this evening at the webinar. Hopefully, you can make it. Maybe you have questions about some of the terms we use every day on InvestTalk. We try to keep it so that you can understand these. And if there is a term that we're using, we try to point you in the direction of Investopedia to get a definition. And I encourage you to do that. If you have any questions, dial the time, 888-99-CHART. If you're wondering how to register for tonight's webinar, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab and scroll down to webinar. Invest Talk continues. Dividend focused ETFs. There's a whole list of them, a short list, hand picked by Steve to show you a broad mix of dividend paying stocks and other equities that pay steady dividends. If you're an Invest Talk insider, Get yours today by signing up on investtalk.com. So how do you choose your first online brokerage firm? What should you look for? What are some of the some of the the, the pitfalls and the the dangers and, and what are the what are the very basic things you need? Okay, first of all, I'm gonna start with you need an online brokerage that has SIPC insurance, S I P C insured. If it's not SIPC insured, then that you're you're you could fall in the trap of Bernie Madoff. He had none of he didn't ha he was not SIPC insured. Well, he wasn't. No, the, the the problem with Bernie Madoff was that they were giving the money to Bernie and his entities, and he was a custodian. And he was a custodian. So so you need an SIPC insured custodian. Yeah. So make sure that that's what you have. And a third party. You know, Bernie Madoff really wasn't a third party custodian. It was no, he wasn't. A first party because he was the one handling, holding on to the money. It's like uh, KPP not only managing your money, but we also hold the money. Yeah, That's would, not a smart thing to do. Yeah, we would never do that. We don't. We've never done that. We've no. always used third party custodians. So that's the first thing. SIPC insured is quite important. Now, from there on, now you want to know if it meets your needs. Uh, many online brokers will give you free trades when you first come on. You put enough money in it to start off. And they'll give you a bunch of free trades, you know, the buy and sell things. So that might be something you're interested. In. If you're an active trader, then that definitely would be something you would you would be interested in. But first of all, do you need a full service broker or just an online discount broker? 
And I would suggest a discount broker. That would be my preference. But, you know, maybe you need more, more people to help you. You know, uh, maybe you need somebody like us to help manage the money for you. You know, you can hire us to, uh, to do that. But if you're going to try to do it yourself, probably an online discount broker is the route that you will take. Okay, so what, now you decide, well, what do they have to offer those online brokerage? Do they ha what does their privacy policy look like? Do they keep your information safe? Uh, what, what, uh, is there a minimum deposit that's required? You know, usually there are, if you're going to get free trades, they're going to want a certain amount of money. You're not going to get free trades worth a $5,000 deposit. It just and, doesn't happen. And some of them give bonuses for opening an account. Yeah, so meaning that, you know, they may give you some money. You know, that, not, not, not don't get carried away. It's not going to be thousands of dollars. It's not. But, yeah, or, or they might even give you some free, uh, free hardware, laptop or pad ipad and what is the what is the process of opening and depositing money too i know for for us with we use td ameritrade uh the account opening process is almost entirely electronic and, and very simple it might be a lot simpler uh that way and you know there's a lot of brokerage firms have that but some still use the old-fashioned paper and you want to know what your commissions are your commissions and fees try to understand how people get paid the brokerage firm, they, the custodian, they're going to get paid some way, shame, some way, somehow. How? How do they get paid? You want to understand how that works. So those are kind of some of the things you really gotta, you really gotta look into before you, you know, you take you you take on an online brokerage firm. Okay. Now, while most investors chase after appreciation, many are unaware that income accounts for roughly about half the return to the stock market. Maybe not quite half, but income dividends so maybe you have questions about income producing stocks you can reach us now at 888-99-CHART here's another benefit when you sign up for our invest talk insider program a brief list of real estate investment trusts REITs that should be on investors radar if they're looking for exposure to this dividend focused sector you can sign up for this free Invest Talk Insider program on investtalk.com. Invest Talk is here to help you grow your money. The more you listen, the more you learn. We are taking your questions now. 888 99Chart. 8-8-8-9-9-2-4-2-7-8. We're going to go talk to Mike in San Jose. How you doing, Mike? Good. Thank you, Steve. I was hoping you'd give me an opinion about uh, similar MO. That'd be uh, Altria Group. Yeah. Sure. Now, it's a tobacco company. It may, you know, it manufactures cigarettes and other tobacco products. And the reason, only, there's only one reason why you would buy Philip Morris or Altria Group. Those two. They were both one company at one time. They split apart. And the only reason why you do it is because of the dividend. They pay a dividend. They've been paying a dividend 4.9%. It still pays a dividend 4.9% because they certainly don't have any growth. Yeah. Philip Mor Altria Group is the old Philip Morris. Uh, Altria Group is the domestic Philip Morris, basically. So it's all domestic uh, U.S. sales, whereas Philip Morris International is the same... 
basic company except for only their international exposure. Yeah, they split the company, what, about five, six, seven years ago? Yeah. I, I don't remember. So, so MO pays about 5. Uh, or 4.9%. Philip Morris pays about 5.3%. So, uh, you, Mike, I'm assuming you're just buying it for the dividend because there's no other reason to buy it. There's no growth. It's pretty much flat. Yeah, every once in a while, like the last four quarters you had, uh, um, uh, you, you had two quarters were up and two quarters, well, one quarter was flat. You know, grow 2%, shrink 3%. So it's pretty much nothing. It doesn't grow. So you're really living on that dividend. Uh, and now is it cheap enough to be attractive for that dividend? That's really all you're asking. It's five-year PE range is 14 to 25, and now it's at 15. So it's on the low end of that range. Uh, it, what's your goal here? Are you looking to buy and hold it long term? Are you after that dividend? Are you after growth? What's your goal, Mike? No, I'm just looking for a trade. It hit the lower, lower part of the price, and I'm hoping for a couple of bucks. It, it might bounce back yeah. up to, you know, 60, low 60s. It, it's very possible. Yeah, yeah, I actually think it easily could get back to $59 a share, where it would be the first uh, major resistance level. Now it's at 56.59 at the close today. But, uh, you know, it had it started to gap down uh, in uh, mid-April and from around the 64 level. And I could see it working its way slowly back up there, especially if what the big reasons why this uh, Philip Morris and Ultra Group and, and a lot of dividend paying stocks really took a big hit is because of bond bond uh, uh, yields. Yeah, they're going bond, up. Yeah, they're going up and they're bond proxies. So uh, if bond yields are going to pull back some, which they already started right after yesterday's big move. Uh, you're going to start seeing a bid in a lot of these consumer staple names, dividend-paying names like Philip Morris and Altria Group. So uh, I actually like it for a trade. A short-term you know, trade, yeah. yeah. Yeah, back into the low 60s. Yeah, I like it. As you'll probably get a you know dividend or two while you're waiting. Yep. I think that's Wonderful. okay for a trade, Mike. Appreciate the call. Thank you for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So why you are invested less than you should be? There's been some studies out. And it boils down to risk aversion for everybody. Everybody's risk averse. And what was really fascinating to me is that the, the pain of loss in your account, the pain of loss is two times more powerful than the pleasure of gain. So what that means is, is that your people basically are afraid to lose money and they're and they don't get as much pleasure of making money as pain when they lose the money. So therefore, they always try to hedge their bets. So people are sitting on cash, deciding not to get in the market. And then when they, you know, sometimes they say, well, I'm sitting on the cash, wait for a market pullback. When a market pullback happens, they still don't get in the market. When the recession comes, they still don't get in the market because they're afraid. And they continue to be afraid. You cannot time the market. It's just impossible. So don't try to do that. So, you know, this is why people are not invested. And this is why if you're out there and you're not invested in the market, it's because of these studies that show that you're, you're risk adverse because the pain of loss is twice as great as the pleasure of gain. For the same gain. You know, it's amazing. I thought that was pretty interesting myself. It doesn't mean you should be full bore in the market and full no. bore aggressive all the time. And it should be about what your goals are. You know, maybe your goals, I, we see this a lot. We have clients that have 
a few million dollars. They're very conservative. They don't really spend a lot of money. And they're able and they're okay with taking risks, but they just don't really need to because of their goals. And it's better than be conservative, earn a modest return, not have a ton of volatility, and, and live a comfortable, happy life as opposed to taking a ton of risk and uh, risking half of their, uh, their, their portfolio or, or their savings and turning their lifestyle upside down because they were after gains that really weren't necessary for their particular goals. So it's always about aligning your strategy, aligning your goal, your, 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 uh, your portfolio with the goals that you have, both short, medium, and long-term. Yeah, so it depends on everybody. Everybody's different. Everybody's individual. But my, the only lesson I can tell you is don't try to time the market because it has never worked. Uh, yeah, you might get lucky once, twice. Yeah, that's possible, but don't try it. What's coming up on a Nest Invest Talk? That's for Thursday, everybody. Next is tomorrow. Can being a passive investor meet your goals? Can being a passive investor meet your goals? We'll take on that question tomorrow. But for now, I'm here to answer your financial and money questions. 888-99-CHART. Our podcast continues, but first, a reminder about our upcoming webinar. Invest Talk host Steve Peasley says, without using fundamental and technical analysis, you're wearing a blindfold. With it, you have a valuable tool. You can look under the hood. Revenues, income. See the company's management structure, the strength of their business. Learn to transform technical data and pricing trends into an actionable trading strategy. Technical analysis doesn't tell you whether or not to buy a stock but it can tell you when to buy. Fundamental and technical analysis. Now, we don't promise in an hour you're going to be a master, but at least we'll get you familiar with what to look at, what to consider, what to do more homework on. Using fundamental and technical analysis to take your investing to the next level. And help you understand how to use two of the most powerful analysis tools that investors have. Register now on investtalk.com. That's investtalk with two T's, investtalk.com, and click on the Invest Talk tab. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. The KPP Financial experience helps you keep on track with your goals. KPP offers individual portfolio and financial reviews, consistent market and investment updates, and a convenient technology package. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Steve's ready and waiting for your call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to Andre in Berkeley. How you doing, Andre? Hey, good, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Thank you. Question on Weatherford International, the oil and gas play, uh, got really crushed in the last few years. Uh, it's had a nice run with, with some of the other um, oil and gas uh, stocks out there. It might be a little bit a little bit toppy right now, but I see some, some really cheeky gaps kind of on the daily chart kind of toward the bottom. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, on, on Weatherford and maybe looking for a pullback. Okay. I, I, to be honest, I'm not keen on the stock. Uh, Weatherford International, uh, it uh, provides equipment and technology and services for the oil and gas drilling and production industry. And oil is already really t- 
taken off this year. So all the benefits in the oil industry has already been hardly built into the stock, mm-hmm. and they don't make any money. They lose money. Uh, their revenues over the last three quarters are finally going up uh, in the mid-single digits after uh, all of 2016 uh, sales and, and, and earnings were really crushed and cratered. Uh, so they don't pay a dividend. Their return equity is negative. They just issued, this is the biggest red flag for me. They just issued a bond and maturing in 2025 and they're going to, have to pay almost 10% yield on that bond for a seven year bond. That tells me that their ratings are very junk, uh, very low. Uh, I can look at their uh, amount of debt. They have a ton of debt in their balance sheet, negative free cash flow. Uh, it's trading at $3.47, so anything trading under $5 gives me a big red flag. Uh, is it, could there be upside to 4 bucks from here? Sure, but this is a company that I would run from yeah. from an investment standpoint of any decent length of time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's I'll, certainly going to run. It's going to be more volatile, and and have, if if oil prices go up, you're going to have a be- better run in the short term than than most oil stocks. But long term, this is a company that is in dire trouble. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm I'm sorry gentlemen. I, 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 I forgot to mention th- this is a purely a day trade, a swing trade. Okay. I was kind of looking for your your view on the technical side. I don't really, I don't really care that much about the company fundamentally. I, I know that. Okay. I mean, from a gotcha. day trading perspective, I just want to get your thoughts on maybe it pulling well, back. Yeah, I think it's going to pull down. It looks like it's failing at a, the 200-day moving average to me. Yeah, I don't see anything. I don't see anything horrible. Uh, long term, it's obviously in a downtrend. So the the path of least resistance is going to be lower. Uh, you're into the 200-day moving average, and it's kind of uh, hesitated there, like it did back in January. Uh, and I find it's going to have trouble getting really through that. Uh, I, just from a risk reward standpoint, I don't like it even for a day trade. Thanks, Andre. Appreciate the call. Good luck with it if you're going to do it. Let's go to uh, Lee in San Mateo. How you doing, Lee? Hey, I'm doing just fine. Thank you for taking my call. I just purchased huh. uh, something called U-Bot. U-B as in boy or T as in Tom. Uh, it's a rob- uh, robotic uh, company. I did not realize that Vanguard is charging uh, expense ratio 1.3 something, which is very high. I I want to know about the stock first, but I am thinking maybe it's not worth keeping, holding on to it. I would like to hear your you know thoughts what, on that, please. Do you, do you know what it does, Lee? Uh, well, it, 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 uh, it's about robotics. And they develop, okay. you know. Okay. Okay. This is an an exchange traded fund that is leveraged three hundred percent, three hundred percent leverage. And I, I don't. What index is it following? Uh, It is following the. uh, Okay, robotics, artificial intelligence, and automation index. (laughs) So it's not a company. It's not a company. It's an index. It's an ETF that's following the index and has leveraged it three times. Uh, and, and the fact that the, the expense ratio of 1.2 or 1.3, which you said, uh, for mm-hmm. a leverage ETF isn't really that high. No. That's not crazy. 
Okay, so that's not really what what gives me a red flag. What, what gives me a red flag is a it's in an area that is already is a current time very overinflated, and people have chased this performance. And when things like this come out, like a three times leverage of a specific sector, that is a giant red uh -huh. flag that investors are over allocated, over invested, and bid up the stocks way too dramatically, and they're most of them are overvalued. I'd be and out of it. Please. I'd sell this thing yesterday. Yesterday, and this is not something you want to be okay. in. This is a trading vehicle only. This is not something you want to be buying, holding for any length of time, especially right now. So okay. I would sell it. I would put a market order right now to sell it first thing in the morning. Yeah, Lee. It's not okay, what you think it is. Okay. okay. That was UBOT, so everybody. Thank, Thank you for the call. Yeah, I worry about people not understanding what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. This is something you nearly you need a little bit you need a little bit of homework. You need to do homework on what you're buying. This is not a company, it's an ETF and it's leveraged three hundred percent. And I get questions all the time. You emails risk. emails into uh, into my email box from the Invest Talk website of ask beginners asking questions and you know, how do I get started? And I always say, Be patient. People try to rush into things and they, they get excited about opportunities and they don't really understand what they're buying. And so for anybody out there, just there, there's no harm in waiting, saving more money. Saving is the most important thing. Right, so focus on saving and a consistent uh, uh, discipline to save money. And as you're saving, then that's when you start to read, learn, and then at some point when you feel comfortable with both the pros and the cons of whatever you're looking at, then you make purchases. But don't buy anything unless you really understand it. We're going to have the April jobs report come out by the end of the week, Friday. Uh, today we had ADP number, Automatic data, data Processing Company puts out a number every month before the official number comes out. And theirs is, uh, theirs is for a, a private industry only where the official number is both private and public jobs. And they said there's going to be 178,000 private jobs produced in April. Okay. Officially, the estimate is for 225,000 jobs to be produced. That's that's a good number. That's a good solid number if we get it. Okay? Now, they also report that wage growth is about 2.6% year over year. Now, if this is true, these jobs come out at 200 or close to 200,000, the Federal Reserve is definitely going to raise interest rates in June. Well, it, I, I, I think they're going to raise no matter what. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, well, I, to me, to me the, the, the Fed is market dependent. You know, you can talk about certainly if the jobs data really deteriorates dramatically, uh, they 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 may pause for for, but it have to be over an a an extended period of time. It couldn't be just one month. We had a bad month. What was it February? Yes. It was a terrible jobs month, and then it bounced back in March. So it needs to be a consistent trend. And I don't think the last few months it were anything to worry about. So one month shouldn't really sway their goal of raising rates. Well, the Fed fears inflation. This is what one of its main fears is inflation. And that's why I mentioned wage growth, 2.6%. I don't think it is enough, uh, if it does come in around that number, I don't think that's going to be enough for the Fed to fear it. Remember, their inflation uh, target is around 2% overall. And that's where we are at 2% overall. So the only thing that, the only reason why the Fed would not raise, would not raise interest rate is something from left field. I'll give you an example. What if Italy, yesterday everybody was worried about Italy? What if that blew up 
and all of a sudden you got all these politicians wanting to get out of the EU. Well, that that very well may affect the Fed because then they know the market will have convulsions and they may want to not raise rates in that situation. But I don't think that's even a possibility at this stage, even a possibility. So what you have to do is you've got to watch the Fed. I, To be honest, I think the Fed might be done maybe after this raise. I think that could happen. Once again, I think it's I think it's going to be market related. The Fed is market related. They they don't see any major problems in the market. Obviously, Italy is a concern, but you still have equity markets. While you know certainly not gangbusters. I think we're up one percent and one and a half percent for the year on the S and P. Uh, NYSE is uh, I believe down slightly, uh, but that's that's not really changing. And the market and, and actually. Uh, the the Fed wants uh, the market to cool off a little bit, I think. I'm sure it does. But but they don't want it to crater, right? But we're seeing the EU uh, starting to slow down economically. Yeah. They're still growing, yeah. but they're growing slower. So as long now. as economic numbers are decent and the stock market and the bond market aren't really falling out of bed, I don't think that's going to change the trajectory of the Fed. Until one of those two things change, that's when I'd say, yeah, you're right, uh, the, they, they probably won't raise anymore. And... I think uh, I think one more raise is possible, uh, but it all depends on the market. Well, the Fed has a very bad history of getting it wrong. That's true. So, I think personally, I think they should stop at one one more the next move up and wait for six months to a year, and see how it affects. Because it takes time for those rate increases to filter through everywhere. Six months, nine months, it takes time for it to get in there. But they're not going to listen to me. Now, if you wake up during the night with an investment question, there's no need to wait. You can still call it. You can call our anytime listener line number, 888-99-CHART. And here's a question that came in earlier. Hello, this is Jeremy from New Hampshire. Just calling to get your perspective on CRISPR-Cas9, the gene editing technology, and C-R-I-S-P-R. You know, it's relatively new, so I'm not sure how much you'll be able to tell me, but I'm curious about getting some information on it uh, from your perspective. It's uh, not making money, but uh, is definitely going up in value as far as the stock is concerned. Thanks much. Appreciate the call. Did you see it after hours? Uh, You know, after hours, it tanked. Uh, I don't know what the news was, but this is uh, CRISPR, C-R-S-P Therapeutics, it had to probably be, I would say, guess earnings or a uh, trial that yeah, failed. Yeah, CRISPR Therapeutics led 19% after the company Inveritex Pharmaceuticals said the U.S. FDA has placed a clinical hold uh, on the investigational new drug application for sickle cell disease. Ah, uh, so remember, down 19% after hours because, you know, this is one of the things you have to look at, the pipeline of the companies and how healthy it is and if there's any problems like this, mm-hmm. this is what happens. You and, yeah, and, this, and this is why biotechs are by far the most risky area of the marketplace. Uh, you know, some are more or less risky than others, but uh, you know, they're, they're a lot, they can move very fast and a lot of speculation that their uh, the FDA trials are going to go through and that's going to hit markets and then the market's going to start pricing in uh, revenues and profits from that particular drug and that's why these stocks can go like CRISPR. It went from uh, the the high teens back in December to seventy three dollars a share before today's close. Yeah, that's a and, massive and, move. And, yeah, and there's a lesson learned because of this massive move. 
why are you looking at a stock that's already moved massively? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be looking at it, unless you're going to short it. Mm -hmm. uh, because when it's already moved, obviously you're too late to the game. And this you're is all late. speculation. It's not like their, their product has hit market, right? And the market is just eating up this new product or service and that's pushing revenues higher and higher and higher. No, in fact, this is all speculation that something is going to go through and when it doesn't, you know, the stock sinks, what is it, a uh, 16% after hours. Yeah. And, you know, especially when it happens after don't, hours, you don't have time to get out. Don't chase performance. Don't chase it. Yeah. I wouldn't buy this. Yeah, don't don't get in. <laughs> You're too late. Investment terms review, what you should know. Oh, over at the Nasdaq.com, they list a glossary of more than 8,000 investing terms. And one of the most popular search term is EPS. Now, earnings per share is what that stands for, EPS. What's the definition? A company's profit divided by its number of common outstanding shares. Because it's earnings, earnings per share. And when we talk about earnings, it's always about per share. Because that's the only thing that means anything. Remember, the share count of what's out there in the float, what's out there being traded, all those shares, represent earning ownership of the company. And that number can change. The company could do uh, buyback. They could buy back their stock and take those shares out of the float. Or they can issue more shares. Remember, we had a company yesterday where they were issuing 20 million more shares. And that was going to dilute everybody by about 5 6%. So that dilutes the earnings per share. So try to understand what earnings per share means. And, and you've got to determine if the company is, a lot of these biotechs that Justin just mentioned, they're issuing more shares to get more money. Mm -hmm. and, and it can happen actually the other way as well. Companies can get earnings per share growth by buying back stock, right? So they can do the opposite. They can go out in the market and buy back the shares that are out there because they think uh, the, the, the stock is cheap or maybe they have just excess cash flow that they don't really have great investment ideas for uh, or uh, you know investment in their business meaning and so they just buy back the shares and makes their dividend cheaper per se uh, and increases their earnings per share and a lot of companies recently have been borrowing money in the bond market because it's cheap to borrow money and buying back shares and that's also boosted their earnings in the near term, but long term, and it's also made their business more risky because they have a lot more debt. So there's two ways to look at it. Wednesday's Invest Talk is almost over, but we can take time for one or two more calls before the end of the day. So give us a call. Ask your questions. 888-99-CHART. Our final segment is next. Again, 888-99-CHART. Still time to get your call in today if you call now. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, can being a passive investor meet your goals? That's tomorrow. But now, if you've got a question for Steve, call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Danny. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm 25 years old and I'm figuring out an investment strategy going forward. And I read one of the books on your website, uh, Bull. It made the point that the people who bought at the peak of the dot-com bubble still haven't made back. Well, they recently made back the losses that they incurred from that or the bull market. So 
my question is, does it make sense to pour money into index funds right now that broadly track the market or even index funds that uh, track value stocks because some of those stocks have valuations, you know, up in the 20s or maybe in the 30s? Does it make sense to index right now? If so, what uh, sector class? Thank you. Look forward to hearing your response on the show. Well, he's 25 years old. For him, uh, I would dollar cost averaging. Hopefully, you're doing it through your 401k at work or you know uh, IRA. But no one knows where the top is, and no one knows where the bottom. Everybody has great guesses, mm-hmm. but no one knows. But there, it certainly is a time when people are over-indexed, and you know, I think uh, it's oversimplified uh, investing, uh, and people have been focused too much on just the the low fee and not the level of risk that are in uh, equities in general, whether they're blue chip companies or not, they're high risk. And to uh, be honest, the best time to invest is in the depths of a recession. Recession, Recession. Yeah. We're obviously not there. So is this the best time to invest over the next five to 10 years in the market? Probably not. <laughs> there'll no. probably be a recession in the next five, three to five years, and there'll probably be a better time to invest. So as you said, dollar cost average. And when that happens, it's hard to know. Um, but the, if I was going to put it into index fund, I would use a value index because while maybe value isn't the cheapest it's uh, uh, been ever in relation to growth stocks, value is one of the cheapest it's ever been. Yeah, um, and value does work better long term than growth. There are times when growth, and especially in the last you know eight, what, eight nine years, growth worked really great. Yeah. But value over the long term outperforms growth by about four percent annually over you know long term twenty thirty plus years. So in answer to your question, is it smart to invest now? Well, if you're going to use a dollar cost over, average approach, I would probably suggest you should, you do it. Um, if you have enough discipline to actually put the money to work when everybody's scared to death of the market during a recession, if you have that discipline, and most people do not. They think they do, but they don't. Then wait for the next deepest part of the recession. Then dump all your money in then. But most people don't do that. You know who does that pretty consistently? Warren Buffett. <laughs> but most people don't do that. So, yeah. Uh, I would not try to time the market. If at 25, you've got plenty of time. You can live through a lot of stuff going forward. Okay? So, no. Okay, what is U.S. bond yields? You know, we talk about that. You know how many bonds there are out there? There's three months, six months, two-year, five-year, 10-year, and 30-year bonds, okay, that the U.S. government issues, and they issue it pretty consistently, I think every other Tuesday, I don't know, there's a day that they do it, and they issue millions and millions. Do you know what the yields are? What do you, what do you mean millions and millions? You mean billions and billions? Billions and billions. Billions and billions. Yeah, billions, not millions, billions with a B. The six-month is paying 2.085%, just a tad over two. The two-year bond is paying 2.3%. The five-year is paying 2.6%. The 10-year is paying 2.8%. And the 30-year bond is paying 3 Now, the difference between the two-year and the 10-year is what we kind of think is important. If the yield on a two-year goes higher than the yield on the 10-year, every time that's ever happened, we were in a recession. So what's, what's the spread between those two right now? 0.46%, a little less than half a percent. To me, that's pretty tight. Now, 
Go ahead, John. To, to me, the to me the the most important thing is that if you look and, and I I, I, I uh, talked about this a few months ago on the, on on air is when the the yield curve is flattening like it has been over the past yes. few years. That's actually a positive for the market if you look at the if you look at the the, the statistics. What is negative is what is called a bear steepening, and what that is is the ten year stays relatively flat. But the two-year starts dropping, and what that means is the the bond market's saying, "Uh-oh, the economy is getting rocky, and the Fed is about to go from tightening, or maybe they're whatever they're doing, to a more dovish situation where they're maybe potentially lowering interest rates in the future." So that's ju- the most that's the one to watch. When Justin said that the bond bond two-year starts to drop, that means the yield is going up, the value of the bonds going down. No, no, no. the yield dropping. No. The, yeah, because the bond market is pricing in lower Fed funds rate. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. But we're not there. We're we're flat right now. Yeah. We're flat. Mean. We're pretty flat. Yeah. That's it for the hour, everybody. I leave you with a reminder about tonight's free educational webinar. It's tonight at 6:30 Pacific time. We'll be here again. Learn what fundamental and technical analysis can do for you. You can watch it, listen, learn. And participate. Free. Yeah, you, you can ask your own questions. questions yeah. yeah. Register now at investtalk.com. I'm Steve Pizza with Justin Klein, and we thank you for listening today. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.